My name is J.W. Oker. I'm an author, and I like to go out and look for weird stuff. I call it oddity. For more than a decade, I've sought out oddities of nature, oddities of art, oddities of culture and history. I believe that within a tank or two of gas, of any point in this country, is some seriously cool oddity, and that we all should go check it out. This is Odd Things I've Seen, the podcast. All right, for this episode of Odd Things I've Seen, the podcast, I want to do a book reading for you. I've only done a book reading for the podcast one other time. That was A Season with the Witch, which I did for a past Otis Halloween season. But this time, I want to do a reading from Cursed Objects. And the reason why I want to do that is because I'm at this weird point in the author cycle where my most recent book, which is Cursed Objects, is more than six months old, which means it's an ancient tome. It's a Dead Sea Scroll as far as like the, the book conversation goes. But I want it to stay alive. I want people to keep finding it and discovering it and reading it and talking about it. And because of I'm not a big author, that long tail of, you know, somebody picking it up here and there for the next whatever, how many years, really means a lot to me. So I don't want to stop talking about Cursed Objects, but I kind of have to stop talking about Cursed Objects. It gets old after a while. But another reason for that is because I have another book coming up that I'm going to have to switch gears to and really push for here in three months. In August, August 17th, I have The Smash Man of Dread End coming out. It's a middle grade horror novel that I'm really hoping kids like, but also adults like. I tried something a little bit different with this, trying to make a really strong monster that hadn't really been done, at least not in this way. And I'm kind of curious if it was successful. <laughs> so I need everybody, everybody to read it and tell me. So because I'm be switching over to that and just pushing that book pretty constantly here in the next three months or so, I'm not going to be talking about cursed objects as much. I'm going to be relying on other people talking about cursed objects. And I hope some people do. Posting it on Instagram, posting it on Twitter, letting me retweet them. So it's kind of like a, you know, one final push at this book in, in a focused way. I want to do a reading from it. And the reading I want to do, I'll, I'll read the introduction. I, I, I've said that before, but I love reading the introductions of everything, not just my books, of everybody's books. Because that's where like the idea is set up and the premise and the whole reason for the book and the the constraints and limitations of the book, the parameters of the book, it just, it's just, they're all really interesting to me, always introductions. So I'm going to read that, which is short. All the entries in Cursed Objects are short. So I'm going to read that, and then I'm going to switch over to an actual Cursed Object and read to you about a Cursed Object. And I want to read the one that I have a personal experience with. Now, I visited a lot of these in the book, you know, saw them firsthand and first eyeball, but I want to read the section where I actually bought one and brought it into my house while I wrote this book about Cursed Objects. So, if you're not into that, back out now, because <laughs> here I go. I'm about to open the book and start reading. Soon as I find where, oh, the introduction's at the beginning, right? Yeah. All right, this is the introduction to Cursed Objects, Strange But True Stories of the World's Most Infamous Items, and it is entitled, Head First Into the Accursed. I hate to be the one to tell you this, but many seemingly innocuous objects will make your life suck. They might even kill you. We call these objects cursed. A cursed object could be a vase, a chair, a painting, a doll, things we all have around our houses, in our attics, and in our basements. They could be in museums, separated from the general populace by a thin piece of glass. They could be out in the open, masquerading as ordinary statues or rocks, for instance. Anything can be cursed, and you rarely know it until it's too late. Good thing you have this book to help you. So what is a cursed object? In the lore, it's an inanimate item that brings misfortune, harm, or death to its owners, or those with whom it comes in contact. 
An object can become cursed because someone with powerful and mystical knowledge hexes it, or it could have been present at the scene of a great tragedy, absorbing dark energy like a battery and powering other tragedies going forward. It could be just inherently evil, all the way down to its Made in China sticker, or it could all just be in our heads. You don't have to believe in cursed objects to be fascinated by them, because another less paranormal definition of a cursed object is an object that gathers stories to itself, and more specifically, tragedies. Objects are intimately connected to people, to us. We make them, live with them, use them, love them. Sometimes we even get buried with them. And people continuously find themselves in the midst of tragedy. So cursed objects are those items that have simply been the mute witnesses to more tragedies than other items. They then become devices for remembering those stories and provide opportunities for retelling them. And don't get me wrong, there's magic in that too, that a simple oak chair out of millions of oak chairs in the world would be connected to so many stories of misfortune and death. The idea that cursed objects operate as storytelling mechanisms for tragedy is the heart of this book, although that doesn't mean we won't have fun with the notion that there might be other, less explainable and more sinister forces at work. In this book, we will look at crystal skulls and creepy dolls, tiny stone heads and ancient weapons. We'll cover the infamous, including Annabelle the doll and the Hope Diamond, as well as the obscure. Ever heard of Little Manny with his daddy's horns? Probably not. I've even risked visiting a few firsthand for you, and I brought one into my home. We'll also dip into the business of cursed objects, where cursed is prized as a marketing term, and cursed objects are collected, displayed in museums, and even sold on eBay. We'll learn that even technology and digital artifacts can be cursed. Before we begin, though, I'll, I'll need to define some terms. Cursed is often used synonymously with haunted and possessed, but those three qualities are distinct. For our purposes, the difference is one of intelligence. Cursed items have none. They're objects that have become bad luck via someone who has purposefully cursed them or by happenstance. By contrast, a haunted object has a spirit intelligence attached directly to it. And a possessed item is similarly inhabited, but in this case by a demonic entity. Although some say that an object cannot technically be possessed. Only humans can, so lucky us. Further complicating things, both haunted and possessed objects can function practically as cursed objects if they bring misfortune to enough people. But if they merely act spooky, then they're not cursed. Take, for instance, the wedding dress of Anna Baker at the Baker Mansion History Museum in Altoona, Pennsylvania, or the haunted mirror at the Myrtles Plantation in St. Francisville, Louisiana. Both of these objects are mentioned regularly in articles about cursed items. The stories of the Anna Baker wedding dress mostly involve the dress moving around on its own and the specter of its owner popping up here and there. The haunted mirror at the Myrtles Plantation reflects creepy figures and sometimes appears smudged with ghostly handprints. Both objects are spooky as hell, but neither causes the serial misfortune that a cursed object is supposed to. For the purposes of this book, I've also ruled out cursed objects without detailed curse stories. For instance, the cursed object at the Villa Zoraida Museum in St. Augustine, Florida. It displays an Egyptian rug made entirely out of cat hair that was once wrapped around a mummified human foot, which is also on display. Some posit that it's the oldest existing rug. Others posit that it's cursed and that anyone who steps on the rug will die, hence why the rug is currently hung on a wall of the museum. However, its entire curse story was contained in those three sentences. Fascinating object, for sure, but difficult to wring a narrative essay out of. Now, more than objects can be cursed. People can, places can, but for the purposes of this journey, I'm interested in objects that are cursed. I generally follow the terrifying maxim, could I inadvertently pick it up at a flea market or an antique store and bring it into my home? Or could I brush up against it in a museum and be forever damned? And with a handful of notable exceptions, that's exactly what is included in this book. So beware. Because it's not just ancient artifacts looted from old coffins buried deep in exotic climes that will ruin your life. It could also be the I Hate Monday's coffee mug on your desk that your mom bought you at a garage sale. 
All right, so that's the introduction. That is how I send you off into this world of cursed objects. Now I will show you how I buried myself up to my neck in the world as soon as I find it. This essay can be found in the business of cursed objects section. This is the part where I visited museums that specialized in cursed objects and tried to explain the paradox <laughs> of collecting cursed things. As part of that, I wrote a section called Cursed on eBay. You don't have to dig through dark castle attics or the baked soil of long disappeared civilizations to find cursed objects for yourself. You just have to grab your phone and go to eBay. At any given time, scores of cursed objects are for sale on the online auction site. Dolls, stones, jewelry, statuettes, the ashes of demons, it's all on there. I know because I bought a cursed object off eBay myself when I started writing this book. In fact, some of the more infamous modern cursed objects have ended up on eBay at some point, like the Dybbuk box that is now at Zach Bagan's Haunted Museum, also Bill Stoneham's 1972 painting The Hands Resist Him. My cursed object wasn't so internet famous as these, or so expensive, but facing a year-long immersion into the world of cursed objects, I decided I needed to buy one, and eBay seemed a much safer bet than heisting the Hope Diamond or redefiling Tut's tomb, so I typed cursed objects into the search bar and found countless wonders. I found a cursed wooden African mask circa 1988 that came from the home of an ex-Satanist and chaos magician and had been adjacent to various dark rituals and acts of violence. I found a cursed wooden bowl stand from the apartment of evicted Satanists that caused owners to see shadow people, feel phantom touches, and hear voices. It could also hold a bowl pretty well. I saw a cursed pocket watch that held the demon spirit of a Moldavian evil nurse. A cursed Buddha head that made items disappear and cats fall over. A small cursed wooden box owned by the seller's grandfather who had killed himself. It contained two chess pieces that switched places in the box when you weren't looking. The starting bid for that one was $1,000 or 24 months of $49 installments. I saw a cursed Dybbuk ring, a cursed Dybbuk brooch, and dolls. So, so many dolls. I chose my cursed object carefully, though. Turns out many of them have reserves in the three figures. I wasn't about to invest that much into what was basically a book gimmick. I'll admit that. In fact, I spent so much time trying to find the perfect cursed object that eBay started running targeted ads for cursed objects across my online experience. One headline read, Cursed items on eBay. Seriously, we have cursed items. Eventually, I found the perfect object. It was the right size, the right type, the right cost. It was a bronze bulldog about three and a half inches long and two inches tall, and its opening price was only $11, plus $3.78 for shipping. The seller was from North Carolina. She had a strong positive feedback rating, but it was her eBay summary that really won me over. And here it is. Cursed object, evil, beware, brass or bronze bulldog. My father, who collected dog figurines, purchased this when he was a boy in the 1930s from a Chinese business. The owner of the business did not want to sell it, but my dad persisted and the man sold it with the warning that he would curse it. He mumbled a curse as my dad left with the dog, and our family has been burdened all my life as a result. Unable to get ahead financially, illness, family strife, I need to rid our life of this horrid curse. Please let me in this. Purchase it. Give it to your worst enemy, your ex-husband, or anyone else you want to inflict bad luck and sadness on. Absolutely no refunds or returns on this object. I do not want this in my presence anymore. I am starting this at $11 because 11 is my lucky number, hoping this will begin a new phase in my family's life. I ended up being the only bidder. When I won, I received an email letting me know that the cursed object would be on its way as soon as the seller cleansed their house and officially passed the curse on to mine. I awaited the tracking number. She really knew what I was looking to hear, and it made me think that perhaps that's what she was actually selling, an experience. See, when you think about buying a cursed object, you think about exactly her story, right? 
you find yourself in a dark antique store with just piles of antiques everywhere, usually in Chinatown. And then you try to buy something that the store owner won't let you buy, even though it's out there on display and has a price tag. It's basically the beginning to Gremlins. And, you know, these days, you don't really get that experience all that often. These days, most of our shopping is click, add to cart. It'll be here in two days with prime shipping. So we, we lose that ambiance, that experience. And it felt like with her notes and her messages and her, the drama she was building around this object, she was trying to give me that experience virtually. This idea was further supported when I received the box a mere four days later. I can see why she had such a good rating on eBay. It was an ordinary USPS priority mail small flat rate box. On its white cardboard flanks, she had written more warnings to me in pink ink. May you live in interesting times. May you attract the attention of people in power. May you get what you asked for. That last sentence, underlined. When I pulled the eagerly awaited cursed object out of the box, it was heavy for its size, making me think it might be a paperweight. I scrutinized the dull metal but could find no identifying marks anywhere on the pooch, which helped the story a good bit. The last thing I wanted to see punched into its belly was Made in China, or Copyright 2019. I received the item in early March, and I set it on a shelf in my office. For the next two months, while I worked on this very book you have in your hands, the cursed dog stared at me from its perch. And every once in a while, I would pause after writing a sentence about a victim of a cursed object and stare back. But by the end of April, nothing bad had happened to me. I decided to up the stakes. I took it on vacation with me. I stuck it in my backpack, and my family flew down to St. Augustine, Florida for a week, which, yes, maybe was slightly inconsiderate to the rest of the people on that plane. And yes, I did also go visit the Villa Zoraida Museum and the cat hair rug, even though I didn't include it in the book. I didn't tell my wife about the stunt until we were relaxed and sunburnt a few days in. Her response... I could have gone the whole vacation without knowing that. But the vacation was a great one. We had a great time. Nothing bad happened. Only good memories made on that vacation with my family. Overall, and somewhat disappointingly, it was really a great year for me in numerous ways. And while having a souvenir of my time visiting and researching cursed objects is well worth the $11 plus shipping, part of me wished that it would have introduced enough weird chaos into my life that I would have been forced to send it to John Zaffis or Zach Bagans or the Newkirks Make them take it from me and put it in their museums. But who knows? Like every dog, maybe this one's still getting used to its new home before its personality really starts to assert itself. And that's the end of that essay. I still have that dog. I have that dog on a shelf. It's literally about three feet behind my head as I record this podcast. I eventually gave it a name, and I knew that for it to be a legitimate cursed object, to it have any dignity as a cursed object whatsoever, it needed a really cool name. It needed a name that sounded like a Sherlock Holmes story, right? So Sherlock Holmes in the case of the Hope Diamond, Sherlock Holmes in the case of Tut's Tomb, all those things sound like something that would be in a mystery title. So I have called my bronze bulldog the Cursed Cur. So it's Sherlock Holmes and the case of the Cursed Cur. And so far... I can't attribute anything bad to it. Not to say bad stuff hasn't happened to me. It's happened to me just like it happens to everybody, but not in such a pattern or in such a way that I even kind of suspect that the small bit of bronze behind my head was the cause of it. All right, so that's my reading. Hopefully it wasn't too painful. So a few things to tell you. One is buy cursed objects. <laughs> that's the whole point of this podcast. If you haven't picked it up yet, you weren't sure about it, didn't know about it, very possible. Very few people know about it. Now you do. And if that interested you, if those two sections interested you, please pick it up. It's everywhere you can buy books. For those of you for whom Cursed Objects is old news, 
My next book, The Smash Man of Dread End, is coming out August 17th. You can pre-order it today. You can also, if you are into NetGalley, you can request a free review copy if that's the world you live in, and I would love you to do that. Other than that, I would also point you guys, and I'll put this link in the show notes, to a link about the Cursed Objects book on oddthingsiveseen.com. I gathered together a bunch of material we cut from the book, either for length or because it winded a little bit too far from the concept, or the cursed object didn't make it in. So the Villa Zoraida cat rug, that's a good example. I actually took pictures of it when I visited it, which I think I wasn't supposed to, and I posted about that on Otis. So I have a bunch of links gathered together on one page of Otis where you can read all the supplementary cursed objects information. Hopefully you don't come across any cursed objects in your life. My name is J.W. Oker, and this has been an episode of Odd Things I've Seen, the podcast.